Amen. How many people were glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. How many, how many people had a, had a good week? How many people had a rough week? Hey, we got some honest people in the house. As we were singing that song, it just, uh, uh, when we were talking about him being good, uh, and I was standing over there thinking, you know, there's uh, no doubt there's people here who've, who've had a, a very productive and good week, and there's uh, some people who uh, you did all you could do just to get here this morning. Uh, but in all of that, uh, no matter what we're facing or what we're up against, God is good. He's so good to us. He's so much better than we deserve. And, and uh, sometimes I think that we uh, are guilty of just going through life and forgetting just that. And, and it becomes almost a cliche. You know, uh, uh, God is good. And somebody say all the time. And God is good all the time. And, and uh, when we just we say that, uh, but when we begin to, to really live that and realize that, that he's good, no matter what you're facing, he's good. And uh, we want to, uh, uh, I want to make you aware of one uh, thing that we have going on this evening. Uh, Shine will be having, uh, which is our ladies' ministry, will be having their uh, a meeting, uh, a get-together, a fellowship, a Bible study. Uh, I don't know what she has planned, but uh, that's at 5 o'clock uh, this evening. Is that right? 5 o'clock this evening. And uh, if you haven't, if you've never been involved in any of our life groups, uh, let me encourage you. Uh, let me... Uh, have I ever mentioned having life groups? Have I ever brought that up? I can't remember from week to week. Uh, but let me encourage you uh, to, uh, to, to make it a part of your week. Uh, our Wednesday night life groups and, and the things that we have going on on, on Sundays and different times throughout the week, it, it is so refreshing to be able to come in and to uh, just to, to fellowship. And to let people know, hey, I'm, I'm going through some things, and I'm struggling with some things, and, and I need you to help me in prayer, and you know, I need you to be there when uh, I need somebody to vent to. How many need, everybody needs a good vent-to person. If you don't have that, you need to find it, uh, that you can just vent, and uh, it just makes you feel so much better. And, uh, but let me encourage you to do that, and um, it'll change your life. So we've been talking about, over the last uh, few weeks, about how that there's so many people who say, I believe, and then they stop there. There's so many people that say, yes, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I believe that, that, he, that he came and he gave his life uh, for me. But, but then they stop. And if I've said it once, I've said it a, a thousand times. Becoming a, a follower of Christ and, and giving your life to Him and becoming a believer is not the end of the story, but it's just the beginning. And as we begin to look in, and look at our own lives, we begin to, to investigate things that we have to do to become more than a believer. Things that, that we must look at ourselves and, and say, am I doing this or can I do it better? And the first thing we realized in the first week was that we have to be passionately committed to Him. We have to come to a point in our life where nothing else matters. Where that no other relationship, no other thing that, that the enemy would try to get us to put before our relationship with Him, that nothing else matters. We're passionately committed to Him. And the second week we looked at being sensitive and submitted to the Holy Spirit. And how that the Holy Spirit will, wants to reside in us. And how that He will lead us and guide us into all truth. You see, the enemy spends all of his time trying to fill your minds and to fill your life with lies. The Bible tells us that He is the Father of lies. But the Holy Spirit says that He will lead us and He will guide us into all truth. And then we begin to look at how that we must live a, a biblically centered life and how that we stand on the Word of God and how that, that the world wants to, to blur the line. The world wants us to, to look at things and say, well, I know it says that, but it's not what it means. And we begin to look at how that, that this is the Word of God and how that we stand on that Word. And it is not old-fashioned to live by the Word. But it doesn't change. And last week we looked at everyone's favorite topic, living a life of generosity. 
And we begin to look at how that, that when we start to, to realize that it's not all about us. And when we begin to get outside of ourselves. And that we quit focusing inwardly, but we look at the world around us. And we realize that there are people that God says you need to be willing to give. Not just of your money, but of your time and of your love. And how that everything revolves around our love for God and our love for people. This week we want to look at another important aspect of moving from a believer to a disciple. And how that we realize that he didn't say go make believers, but go make disciples. Now, if we get focused on Fox News or CNN or whatever else that, that you like to watch or read, the headlines are almost always bad news. The headlines, and you begin to read that, you become very depressed. And you can forget that there are a lot of good things that are happening in our lives and in our world. That God is at work. And this morning we want to look at becoming evangelistically bold. Sharing our faith. Being willing to say, you know, God has done something in my life. And He can do it in yours. Taking a step to become a disciple. And the question I, I ask you today is, are you helping someone along in their walk? Do you have someone in your life that you are speaking into their lives and that you are helping? In? How many people know that, that living life as a follower of Christ is not easy? And the Bible tells us that we need someone to go alongside of us. We need someone that will speak into our lives. Now, you say, Pastor, are you wanting me to, to go share my story door to door? How many people like going door to door? We got anybody? Nobody ever sold vacuums, encyclopedias? Nothing? Going door to door can be a little awkward. Now, there's some people that they really thrive on that. But can I tell you that boldness is not a personality, but it's a conviction. It's not a personality. We look at ourselves and we say, I can't be bold. I don't have it in me. But then we look where it says that when the Spirit lives in us, that He will make us witnesses, that He gives us that boldness. When the Holy Spirit came upon Peter, the same person that denied Jesus in front of a little girl, was able to stand in front of thousands and proclaim God's goodness. Why? Because he had that boldness that came upon him. And so many times we look at and we think, well, people who can lead those to Christ are, are just salespeople. They're people that, that, that they, can, they feel comfortable. I can tell you, I have a difficult time just going up to someone and saying, do you know Jesus? That's not my personality. That's not, but, but I have a conviction of knowing that that person, because it's most of the time, it's very apparent when you come in contact with someone if they're a follower of Christ or not. At least it should be. It says you'll know them by their fruits. But too many times we have taken and thought that evangelism is just standing on a street corner. But there is an evangelism that I believe that God wants us to have. And it's something that, that I'm very passionate about. I began to look at my notes this morning and I thought, man, this isn't nearly as long as what my notes usually are. And I got a little nervous and then I thought, no, it's okay because it's something I'm extremely passionate about so I can fill in the blank. So if I get off somewhere in right field, you'll know why. Because it's something that I'm passionate about. Relational evangelism. In Acts chapter 8, we see a story, and it's about Philip. Philip. I'll hear about that for two years. You remember that time? 
But we read a story about Philip. And he's just a, a servant in the house. He was the one, that, one of the ones that they voted and said, well, we want you to, to help feed the widows. But in Acts chapter 8, we read how that God used him to lead one person to Christ. But it was a very significant person. Here we have Philip, and he's just walking a simple path in life. He's just helping feed the widows. He has a schedule. He has a routine. He, he has stuff that he has to do. But in that moment, in that moment, he was sensitive to what the Holy Spirit was speaking to him. And in our life, we have rituals. We have routines. We have things on a day-to-day -day basis. You begin to look at your schedule. And you've got this every Monday, this every Tuesday, this every Wednesday. And we have a ritual, we have a routine, we have a pattern and a schedule that we follow. But in that, we have to be sensitive to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. This morning I'm going to read the account found in Acts chapter 8. It says, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise. And go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went. And behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship. In verse 28, he was returning and sitting in his chariot, he was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said to Philip, Go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him. And he heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, Do you understand what you are reading? So here he has this eunuch, and he's, he's sitting, and he's reading from the prophet Isaiah. And Philip hears him. He said, I, I, I see that you're, you're reading this, but do you understand? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before his shear is silent, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And so the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask you, of whom does this prophet say this, of himself or some other man? And then Philip opened his mouth and began at this scripture. He preached Jesus to him. And now as they went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? And then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. In verse 38, so he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. So here we read this account that Philip, being sensitive and submitted to the Holy Spirit, led this man to Christ. Now, this just wasn't any man. Church history will tell us that this man went to Ethiopia and he won many to Christ. So after he received Christ, after Philip listened to the Holy Spirit, after Philip went and shared Jesus with this man, this man turned around and won many to Christ. Can I tell you that your word... And your walk, make up your witness. My word and my walk make up my witness. How you live makes a difference. As soon as you say it, 
As soon as you say, I'm a follower of Christ, you are marked. People are watching you. So why did this man listen to Philip? It tells us in Acts chapter 6, verse 3. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. This is when they were trying to figure out who was going to feed the widows. And they said, we need men who have a good reputation. So we know what is written about Philip is, is that he was considered to have a good reputation. He was someone that his walk and his talk made up his witness. So when he came to this eunuch, he already had and he already knew that Philip wasn't going to lead him astray. He had good reputation. You see, the devil not only wants to destroy us, but he wants to disqualify us. He wants people to look at you and say, why in the world should I listen to what you're saying? Because your walk does not match your talk. Your word, your walk, and your witness is what matters. So you say, why is it important? Why is it important that I go out of my way? Why is it important that I listen to whatever is inside of me? Why is it important? Well, I'm glad you asked. Here's why it matters. First of all, eternity matters. Eternity matters. You see, there is a real heaven and there is a real hell. And there's teachings going around that, that says that, that love wins. And there's no such thing. But we stand on the Word of God. And sometimes we forget that heaven is real and hell is real. And eternity matters. You're going to spend, and, and your friends and the people around you are going to spend their life in one place or the other forever. Eternity matters. But we tend to forget. Hebrews 9, chapter, verse 9, chapter 27 says this. And it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. You see, when we're young, we think we're invincible. How many people are still in that category right now? You're invincible. That's right. Yeah, there, I had two raise their hand and a bunch of you lie. We were sitting downstairs this morning and I was talking about all my aches and ailments. And someone looked at me and said, you're old. And I said, you know, there was a point in time that I would have denied that. But you're right. I'm old. But there comes a point in time in our life that, that we think we're invincible. And, and we never think about the reality of eternity. We never think about that in this life there's no second chance after we go through what he says we're going to go through. There's no holding tank. There's no get out of hell free card. It's reality. And at any moment, someone can step out of their body into eternity. But we have the words that can help them be prepared for eternity. We have the words that can make sure and help guide them to eternal life in heaven. And you see, that's God's heart. That's God's heart. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says this, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That is the heart of God. And we have to get to a point in our life where we are so passionate about the fact that eternity matters. And we're so passionate about the fact that someone can step out of this body into eternity at any moment. That we must share with them the good news. 
Not in an arrogant way, but in a loving way. Eternity matters. Secondly, all souls matter. We're talking about why it's important. Why does it matter if I become evangelistically bold? All souls matter. Souls don't have a color. They don't have a net worth. All souls matter. When Christ went to the cross to die, did He die for some or did He die for all? When Christ went to the cross, did He die for some or did He die for all? Third time's a charm. When Christ went to the cross, did He die for some or did He die for all? Hey, they heard you on Facebook. He died for all. So what does that mean about us? That means we should be willing to share the gospel with all. When you die, your net worth stays here. You can't take it with you. God only sees two types of people. Those who are lost and those who are found. Those who are on a path to destruction and those who are on a path to life. Those are the two kinds of people that God sees. And no matter who you come in contact with, no matter who you, your, cross, your path crosses, all that matters, are they lost or are they saved? They are worthy of your message because they're worthy of His blood. When Jesus ministered to people, He often got caught and people gave Him a lot of flack. We're familiar with the story found in Luke chapter 19 verse 5. When it says, when Jesus came to the place, He looked up and saw Him and said to Him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. And then in verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. When he said, I'm going to stay at your house, you can imagine the gasp. I'm going to stay at your house. Are you kidding me, Jesus? Do you know who this man is? Do you know he's a thief? He's a liar? He's short? Are you serious? He said, yeah, I'm very serious. Why? Because it is my mission. I've come to seek and to save those who were lost. Jesus didn't see Zacchaeus as anything else other than lost. He said he's lost, so he must be found. He needs to hear what I have to say. There are people in your life, there's people in my life that we like to label them and think, oh, they're this or they're that. Or they could never step off of the path to destruction because, man, they've just got way too much baggage. We should only see two types of people lost and found. And if, there's, if they're lost and we're being a disciple of Christ, then this has to be our mission to help them become found. Jesus went to Zacchaeus' turf. He went to where he was. And we know the end of the story. Salvation came to his house. Thirdly, listening matters. Listening matters. How many people would say you're a good listener? How many people, your wife will say, did you hear what I said? And you think, that's a weird way to start a conversation. Sometimes we're willing and we're not good listeners. 
The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 8, verse 28 and 29, what I read. It says, and, and was now on his way home. He was sitting in his chariot reading the book of the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit told Philip to catch up with the chariot. Different version says. He was willing to listen to what the Holy Spirit was speaking into his heart. And just as we talked about in the second week, when you become evangelistically bold, a huge aspect of that is realizing that you can't do it in your own energy. You can't do it with your psychology and with your good looks and your smarts. I've tried. But you have to be willing to realize that you have to listen to what the Spirit is speaking to you. And sometimes it becomes very difficult to listen to God. Sometimes it becomes very difficult to realize that the Spirit is already doing a work. He is already preparing the way. Verse 30 in that same chapter says, Philip ran close and heard the man reading aloud from the book of Isaiah. And Philip asked him, do you understand what you are reading? Now, do you think it was just an accident that this man just happened to be sitting in his chariot reading the Word of God? It wasn't an accident. God set it all up. God had a plan. But Philip was part of that plan. And he had to listen. He had to realize. And so he comes upon this man, and he is struggling. He's reading this, and he's thinking, I don't have any idea what this is talking about, who it's talking about, what it means. The Spirit was dealing with him, but he was struggling. Can I tell you that there are people in your life and there are people in my life who God is preparing the way. The Spirit is dealing with them, but they are struggling to walk after Christ. And Philip was willing to listen to the Spirit. And he just walked and did what the Spirit was telling him to do. He was sensitive You see, God does His greatest work when people are at that intersection of preparation and pain. That's when God can do His greatest work. They're at a point in their life where they have to make a decision. They can continue to live in the pain, but God is preparing them for something great. And He uses us to come alongside just like He used Philip. There's people in our life who are longing for a message but we have to be sensitive to it. And I can tell you sometimes in my life, I've been guilty of not listening. Last Sunday, if you were here, when Pastor Rick and, and, and his lovely wife Cindy were here, I was this close to not listening to the Spirit. Because I was afraid to do what he had told me to do. And that was to bring them up and pray for them. But in that moment, I said, I have to do it. But there's been times in my life that I haven't listened. And it's horrible. Because you look at it and you think, man, that could have been my chance. God was preparing me and I didn't listen. And if you were... Striving to be like Christ, the Spirit will speak to you, not in an audible voice, but it's when you get that feeling and say, you know what, I really think I need to do this. If, he's, if you feel like you need to do something, and it's something that's going to glory, bring glory to God, then you can believe that it's not the enemy telling you to do that. But too many times we think, what will people think? Just this past week, there was a day that I was able just to, to get away. Just didn't have any lunch appointments, didn't have... And, and so I took a book. I went to... One of my favorite things to do is to a restaurant. And I'm sitting there and I'm reading this book. 
And the waitress comes up, and she wasn't even my waitress, but she said, is that a good book? I said, yes. I said, uh, especially if you struggle with this particular topic. I said, do you? And they said, no. And then about three seconds, well, maybe a little. So as I continue to read that book, I wasn't even halfway through it. But I felt like, hey, you don't need to leave that restaurant with that book. You need to leave it for that person. And so I sat there over a cup of coffee having an argument with God. God, I want to do that. The book cost me $15. I'm not even done with it. How do I know how it ends? You don't even know if it applies to them. You'll never be able to go back to this restaurant again. They're going to think you're crazy. And so after about three cups of coffee and a 20-minute argument with the Holy Spirit, I gave in. And I said, okay, take one last drink of this good coffee because I'll never be back. Wrote a little note on the inside trying to cover for myself. This doesn't mean anything to you. Just give it to somebody else. I still had that doubt, even though I was trying to follow. So after they got off work, they contacted me and they said, when I took this book back to my house, I, um, my mom looked at me and she said, I'm so glad that somebody gave you a book about this topic because you need it. She said, I opened up the book, and I read one paragraph, and she said, I just started to weep. She said, because I didn't even realize that I was holding in and that I was struggling so bad with this topic. Now, what would have happened? Hopefully, that has put her on a path that God wanted her on, the path to overcome this particular topic, this subject. But God was already preparing the way. But I had to be willing and sensitive to listen. People were longing for a God encounter. People were longing. But we have to be willing to take the step. We have to be willing to say, you know what? I'd rather obey God than man. I'd rather be obedient to God and not worry about the consequences of what people may think. Next, your story matters. We had a, uh, not too long ago, uh, someone shared their story. And we begin to look at how important our story is. All of us have a story. All of us have a, a, a path that we're on. And a place that where God has brought us to. It's our story. Some of our stories start out really bad. But you have a story. Acts chapter 8 verse 25 says this. So when they had testified and preached the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many villages of the Samaritans. It said when they had testified and preached. What is that? They just told their story. To the Samaritans, the people they come in contact with, they told their story. It's easy to tell your story. It's easy to say, you know what? This is my God encounter. This is the moment. This is when God truly changed my life. Because you see, people are longing for that in their life. People are searching for an answer. And there's nothing better there's nothing better than being able to talk to someone that could tell them, hey, it may look bad, but it can get better. Why do you think in all these weight loss advertisements, you know, they got somebody that 
They're trying to sell you a pill or whatever. And you see somebody that's this big, and then, you know, in three days and 37 pills, they're you know, anorexic. Why are they doing that? And why do people buy it? Because it's like, and they have a little testimonial. You know, I was this, and I didn't do anything. I still ate ice cream, and, and uh, I just took these magic pills, and, and it just all got better. And everybody's like, yes, that's their story. I want that. Sign me up for a monthly reorder. Amazon, drop it off. But why do we buy into that? Because we want to hear how the, and believe how people's lives will change. But can I tell you that when we share our story about what Christ has done in our life, it's a whole lot more believable. When people can see how you used to be and how you are now, listen, I could tell some of your stories because I know what you used to be like and I know what you are now. But it's even more effective when you tell your story. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was way over here, but now I'm way over here. I once was on the path to destruction. Alcohol was tearing me up. Drugs or addictions or, or lust or, or my finances. Whatever it was, I was there, but now I'm here. And it's only because of the power of God. That's your story. Don't ever minimize what Christ has done in your life. You may think, well, I was never any of those things. No, God only sees two kinds of people. You once were lost. But God's grace and the blood of Jesus changed your life forever. That's your story. Acts chapter 26, verse 13 and 14 says this, At midday, O king, along the road I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me with those who journeyed with me. And when I heard... And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me saying in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Here Paul is speaking to a king and he says, hey, this is my story. The person that used to be persecuting Christians, the, the, the person that stood and watched Stephen get stoned and applauded, I'm different now. King, this is my story. And there's times in my life when I'm feeling dry and I'm feeling like, God, am I really doing what you want me to do? That I have to tell myself my own story. Because I need to remember and to realize that when God spoke to my heart, when I stepped out of a car that was laying on its top, an accident that should have really either killed me when I walked out and, and, and as soon as I stepped out I saw my Bible laying right at my feet it had flew out and it was the first step that I took it was laying right there and at that moment that was my story I knew I knew that God was calling me but there's days and there's times that I've got to take myself back to that little road in Beckley. And remember that moment. And there's times in your life you need to tell yourself your story again. And you need to realize that God has a call in your life. There's power in your story. Your story matters. The enemy wants to keep you from telling your story. He wants to keep you from testifying of your story. He wants you to keep it inside. He wants you to doubt your story yourself. Oh, I wasn't really that bad. Oh, it wasn't really that bad. Your story matters. Next, scriptures matter. Scriptures matter. You say, why do you say that? You're just trying to make me study the Bible? Yes. Am I that transparent? The world is filled with philosophy. 
The world is filled with people who will say, well, this is happening and this is what you need to do and, and here's your self-help book and, and here, if you know, if you read this twice a day and, and take a couple of these and, 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 and everything will just turn out great. But people are longing for authority, not philosophy. There's authority and there's power in this book. Scriptures matter. Colossians chapter 2 verse 8 says this, Beware lest anyone cheats you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. He says you've got to beware. Don't let people cheat you through empty philosophy. The help that this world needs is not found from Dr. Phil. Is he still alive? I'm telling my age. Dr. Phil still on TV? All right. Somebody knows. Everybody was afraid to answer. No, I don't know. Dr. Phil, who's that? I'm sure he's a great man. But the answer to their problem is not found in philosophy. It's found in the Word of God. People say, how do I deal with guilt? Through the blood of Jesus. How do I not fear death? How do I not fear? The Bible tells us what? Perfect love cast out all fear. Every situation and every circumstance that you face or that someone that you know faces, the answer to their problem and their situation is found in the Scripture. When Philip opened up, when, when this eunuch opened up the Scripture as he was reading from the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, and he began to read it, he said, who is this? I don't understand. But guess what? Philip had the answer. He said, this is talking about Jesus. And he's the one that will change your life. And too often, when we have situations in our life, or when other people have situations in their life, the last thing we do is point them to prayer and to the, and to the Scripture and to the Word of God. But it should be the first thing that we do. This word has authority. This word has truth. There's nothing that you face. There's nothing that they face. That we can't go to the scripture and say, you know what? Let me just tell you what the word of God says. Here Philip had been preaching, had been praying for the sick, and he'd been helping the widows. But the angel spoke to him. He said, you need to go here. You need to go. Can you imagine? Here Philip is. He's just a servant in the house. He's just doing these things. It doesn't say that he was anybody great. But we read about this this Ethiopian, this eunuch, and we read that He was a powerful person. But he went to him. He was bold. He said, this is what you need to change your life. So what do we do with this? What do we do? We just have to start becoming aware of the fact that we can't be silent. And as I said, I'm not saying get a sign and go stand down at the corner of Burger King. If you want to do that, do it. But I'm saying, don't be afraid to share your story. 
Don't be afraid to be bold. As I was studying for this message, I became so convicted. Not condemned, but convicted. That um, and as we've been studying on Wednesday night, how that it's so easy to have people that you come in contact with and just look right through them. Not take the time or the energy or the effort to truly share Christ with them. So many times it's so easy just to look past all of that. But if we're going to be, and if we're going to be more than a believer, if we're going to be more than what we are right now, we've got to become bold in our witness. We have to be willing to reach out to people who need and realize all the things that matter. So many times in life we think we know what matters. This morning these things are what truly matters. It matters more than how much you have in your bank account. It matters more than, than, than your job title. It matters more than anything else. People matter. With every head bowed and every eye closed... I know this wasn't really a become a follower of Christ kind of message, but if you're here this morning, you say, I don't know him. Well, you know, I was, I've been walking with him and some things have happened and, and I just, I don't know where I stand right now. That you, you could just slip up your hand. Thank you. Thank you. I, I want to be a disciple, but life has happened. Anybody else? Thank you. You know, the Bible tells us that if we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that you can step out of and off of and out of the category of lost into the category of being found. That's all it takes not some magic formula. She's saying, God, I know that you sent your son to die on the cross for me and I know that I'm not perfect and I know that I need a perfect Savior. That's all it takes. And from that moment, you say, well, I've I've made that confession before, but I'm struggling right now. God sees right where you are and he knows your heart. As everybody stands, first thing we're going to do is You may be here this morning and say, you know what, Pastor? I want to be more than a believer. I know that I have a story. But so often I become so busy 
I become uh, to the point that I don't think anybody cares what I have to say. Sometimes I'm guilty of not understanding how much that it truly matters and how much eternity matters. And that's why we started off with that because that is the basis of it all. Eternity matters. The last thing I want is for someone that I know or that I come in contact with on a daily basis or for anyone, but to know that I may have had a chance to help them step out of and step into a new life and for them to step into eternity. So if that's you this morning, you say, Pastor, I want to be more aware of the people around me. I want to be more willing to be bold about the love of Christ. How many people would join me? Slip up your hand. Thank you. I want to be more bold. I want people to know what Christ has done in my life. As they begin to sing... want to give us the opportunity to just if you raised your hand to just walk down front and for us to pray a prayer and then for us to sing and close out this service in worship so as they begin to sing I'm going to pray and as I'm praying don't hesitate just come down to the front and we're going to join together We're going to pray. We're going to worship. And we're going to let God know that we're serious about moving and being more than a believer. So as they sing...